Welcome to Equip for Life with Pastor Christopher Brooks. We're so glad to have you with us on today as we feature the message, Commitment to Biblical Thinking, Part 3, from the wonderful, life-changing series, The Biblical Christian. But before we get into the message, we want to remind you that on tomorrow, we're holding our farewell listener appreciation reception on the campus of Evangel Ministries at 6 p.m. We'll be in the conference center, so make sure to be with us. How many love Jesus today? Look at what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. He says, when I was a child, what did I do? I spake as a child. I understood or reasoned as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I want to continue on where I left off last week in this series, The Biblical Christian. And I want to remind you of my goal in this series. My goal, again, is to encourage and hopefully motivate believers to return back to a lifestyle of dedicated and diligent study and application of the Word of God. I believe that the greatest aspect of having a successful Christian life is the study and the application of God's Word. And it's not until we become diligent and dedicated in that area that we begin to see true change in our lives. Notice that I'm saying to you that true change doesn't come just because you attend service. Oh, there might be some external modifications in your life, but true internal transformation doesn't come just because you're around a group of nice people. But true transformation comes when you are diligent and dedicated to studying and applying the Word of God in your life. Amen? I believe that as a church, we're in trouble, not just evangel, but as a church universal, we are in trouble, and the reason why is because biblical Christians are dying out. Christians who are studying God's Word on a regular basis, reading God's Word and applying God's Word on a regular basis are dying out. And if they die out, woe be unto the church. If we're all biblically illiterate, then every person who comes preaching and, and sounding nice and smooth, we will follow them. If we're all biblically illiterate, we will chase after every lie that sounds somewhat persuasive. If we're all biblically illiterate, the devil can rip apart our lives, our families, and our communities, and we won't be able to stand up against him. But how many know that God left us a weapon, and the weapon is his word? The word of God is the sword of the spirit, and it's with that sword and the knowledge of God's word that we're able to do warfare against the devil. It's with that sword that Jesus rebuked the enemy, and he fled from him. And it's with that sword that you'll be able to say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Get your hands off of my children, off of my my family, off of my life, the Lord stand against you. When you got the word of God, you can be victorious in Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. Now, 
Notice that I said that it's not good enough to just be a reader of God's Word. You can't just be a reader of God's Word, but you have to also apply God's Word. And I've said a saying that I want you to write down, and that is that the goal of all good Bible study and good Bible teaching should be application. Write that down. Again, the goal of all good Bible study and good Bible teaching should always be application. The fact is, is that God does not want you to be a hearer of his word only, but he says, blessed are those who hear and what? Do the word of God, that do my word. And you need to make sure that you're actively coming to the word of God, to the moment of teaching with the heart of Lord. How can I apply this to my life? Even while I'm preaching right now, you need to be asking, Lord, how can I apply the message that I'm hearing to my life? Now, I've taught you that the first place where the word of God needs to be applied in your life is where? In your thoughts. Oh, somebody say, wake up to your neighbor. Wake up. The first place where the word of God needs to be applied in your life is where? In your thoughts. Now, where is it that we normally want to first apply? In our actions or in our behaviors. But the problem is if you apply something to your behavior before it's been accepted in your thought life, the change you'll see will only be temporary at best. But if you want to see true transformation, you make sure you win the war in your thought life first. One of the greatest problems of many Christians is that we are still battling between two different thoughts. And it's not until we become single minded. It's not until we have accepted without any reservation that this is the word of God and I'm going to live this way. It's not until like Paul we can truly say that I'm fully persuaded that we see a true transformation in our lives and we're able to begin to live out the manifestations of the promise that God said. Do you know you can go a whole life singing about promises that you never live out? Do you know that you can go a whole life clapping your hands, stumping your feet, lifting your voice, singing about something that nobody's ever seen applied in their lives? Why is that? Is that because God's a liar? No. Why is that? Is that because God's word is not true? No. It's because we have not become fully persuaded and we haven't applied it to our lives because if we apply it to our lives, then God's word shall not return to him void, but it shall accomplish everything it was sent to do. And you need to understand that the difference between me and the person in this church that's having victory in their lives is that they're applying the Word of God to their thought life. And if you apply it to your thoughts, it will affect your actions. And if you apply it to your actions, it will affect your outcome. And if you want to know where we're going with this series, that's exactly where we're going. I spent this three weeks trying to lay a foundation that you need to apply God's Word to your thoughts. Next week, we're going to talk about applying God's Word to your life and to your lifestyle. And then finally, we're going to talk about applying God's God's word to your counsel and your advising of yourself and others. And if you live that way, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And one of my greatest prayers and my greatest desires is that the world might be able to see true examples of what Christians should look like. I believe the world is scratching their heads because they see us preaching one thing on Sunday and living a different way Monday through Saturday. And they're wondering, what is this game all about? How is it that they can profess to believe one thing and live a different way? It's because we've been brought up in a society where we believe that it's okay to nod your head, say amen, and not apply it. But can I be honest? It's not okay. Don't just say amen. Don't just say hallelujah. Don't just nod your head, but say, yes, Lord, I will apply this word to my life. How many have made that commitment? Amen.
See, the problem is there's too many of you, you're wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. You're wrestling between two types of thoughts. Some of you, when you wake up in the morning, the biggest struggle you have throughout the day is, will I think carnally today or will I think kingdomly today? Will I embrace bad ways of thinking or will I embrace biblical ways of thinking? That's why as a Christian, one of the greatest questions you need to ask yourself on a regular basis, write this question down, do my thoughts align with the Word of God? Write that down. Do my thoughts align with the Word of God? To make that question even clearer, let me say it this way, is the way that I perceive myself, my God, and my situation the way that God perceives me? him and my situation. See, if I have a difference of perception between myself, myself and God, how many know who's right? God is right. And the problem with many of us is that we don't think the way God says we should think. So when we're surrounded by our enemies, we're thinking, Lord, you abandoned me. Woe is me. I can't believe that I'm here. Problem on every side. But God says, no, in the presence of your enemy, I'll make a table for you. When you see your enemies surround you, you rejoice because it's going to be a day of victory and triumph. Count it all joy when you fall into trials of many kind. How many can agree that God has a different perception than I do? And see, what I have to learn how to do is compartmentalize my life and begin to ask myself with each segment of my life, each category of my life, do I think the way God's Word tells me to think? Because if I think differently, I am saying one thing, believing a different thing, I will never be able to progress because those two differences will neutralize each other. A positive and a negative will neutralize each other. You can't just say, I believe one thing and then think a different way and expect to see progress. You got to have alignment. Everybody say alignment. How many have ever driven a car that the alignment was off? Amen? The alignment was off, and what happens when the alignment is off? It drifts. It drifts to the right. It drifts to the left. And that's what some of you do. I mean, you come to church, and you're okay. You're going straight for a good two hours. Amen. I can be victorious. Praise the Lord. I can live for him. I can be holy. I can be right. I'm going to get out that relationship. But as soon as the benediction comes, hit the parking lot. Then the alignment begins to go off. Amen? How many have ever taken a car in to get their alignment adjusted? Oh, that's why you're here today. Make no mistake about it. You're here to get an alignment. I want to align your thought life with God's thoughts. And if you can get God's thoughts in your mind, you can see your situation differently. Amen? First thing you got to understand is that God thinks from the point of faith. God thinks from the point of faith, and then faith is not defined as just some weird, unsubstantiated optimism, but faith is, is, is defined as a confidence, a confidence in God's ability to do what he said he would do. Amen? So God already starts with a confidence that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And all he's trying to do is get you to a place where you have a confidence that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen? And it's not until you win that battle and you are confident that God will do what he said he will do that you begin to think like God. So make the decision early in the morning. When you wake up, wake up saying, I'm not going to think carnally. I'm going to think kingdomly. Wake up and say, I'm not going to embrace bad thinking, but I'm going to embrace what? 
biblical thinking. Amen? Win the battlefield of the mind and you will begin to have true transformation in your life. Now, this is what Paul is talking about in the text that we read today. What Paul is saying here is that when I was childish or when I was immature, my thinking was off. But when Christ came into my life, something happened. I began to mature. And where do you see maturity at first? The first place you see maturity in a person's life is in their thinking. The measure of maturity, the original, the origin, the the first place, if you will, to measure true maturity is in a person's thought life. Last night I was doing a word study on this particular verse, and I looked up the the words speak, the word understand or reason, and the word thought. And I begin to read it and, and, and see the definitions of it. And what you find is that all three words directly tie back into your thought life. They directly tie back into your thought life. And here's in essence what Paul and the Word of God is trying to communicate is that God wants you to mature first and foremost in the way you think. Because I mean, know that as a man thinketh, so is he. So God wants to change the way you think and then he can change the way you live. Amen? And so we begin to... Uh, to talk about that last week. And I want to continue on, and I want to let you know that the Bible gives two analogies in Scripture of our relationship to our thought life, how our relationship should be to our thought life. The first analogy that it gives in Scripture is as a farmer, as a farmer. And we know that the Bible gives the analogy or the parable of Jesus sowing the seed, going and sowing the seed, which is the Word of God. And some fell along stony ground, thorny ground. Some fell along the roadside. Some fell in good ground. But here's the principle, I believe, is that as you study that, parable, different types of soils, and the soil represents our hearts and our thought life, and here's what we have to do as a good farmer. We got to rip up the weeds in our thought life so that the seed can be planted. We got to make sure that the soil of our hearts and our minds are ready to receive the seed of God. And some of you, you come in here, and the Word of God is spoken over your life, but it can't take root because you got too many thorns. Turn to your neighbor and say, pull up the thorns. Pull up the thorns. Pull up the thorns. Pull up those stony and those hard ways of thinking that don't agree with God's word. Pull out those detrimental ways of thinking out of your life that's contrary because what will happen is a good truth will come and then all these thorns will attack that good truth. Truth will come and say you can be a wonderful wife and you can support your husband and you can honor him. Then the thorns come. And the thorns will begin to come, and you'll hear your mama talking to you. And you'll hear your girlfriends talking to you. And you'll remember that TV show you shouldn't have been watching. And what happened on that TV show? And next thing you know, you're standing at the door with a frying pan in one hand. Amen. Baseball bat in the other. Sudden told me to hit you upside your head. Now, what happened? The thorns took over. Somebody say, get rid of the thorns. Amen. And, and, and some sisters said, amen. But God can deliver. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I mean, you wake up as a young people or a young person, you'll hear a good word about how you can live holy and represent Christ in your generation and be a lie. But then all of the thorns will begin to come. The thorns are the statements that you've heard from friends and peers. The thorns from the music you listen to. The thorns of the culture that you're a part of. And you'll begin to compromise and say, I can't be different. I don't want to be different. I need to be just like them. And the next thing you know, you're going the same way that they go. And you're reaping the same consequences of pain and heart and consequences that they're reaping and it shouldn't have had to be your portion because you're a Christian kid and you should have been different. But what happened? The thorns won. Don't let the lies or the thorns of the devil come and choke out the seed of the word of God. How many are with me today? 
Second analogy that the Bible gives us in Scripture is as a doorkeeper. We need to be doorkeepers or stewards over our thought life. That means you don't let everything come in and out of your thought life. But what's the hallmark of a good doorkeeper? A good doorkeeper keeps the bad things out and keeps the good things in. Everybody remember the old Ziploc commercial? Amen. Keeps good things inside, keeps the bad things outside. Amen. You got to be able to keep the bad things out and keep the good things in. So let me say it this way. As a good doorkeeper, you need to be steadfast and diligent at always rejecting bad ways of thinking. Write that down. Always rejecting bad ways of thinking. And you need to be steadfast and diligent at always accepting biblical ways of thinking. Amen. Here's what you want to be able to do. Anytime you're hearing biblical thinking, you want to open it, open up your heart and say, come on in. Don't be resistant to biblical truth. Don't put up a wall to biblical truth. It should be easy for God to get truth into your life. Some of you guys got to wrestle you down to your knees to show you you're more than a conqueror. Some of you guys got to wrestle you down to your knees to show you you should live holy. But I don't want God to have to wrestle with me. I want to be able to let truth in easily. Amen? But then I also want to be steadfast, and when I hear a lie, I want to be able to say, I'm sorry, that's a lie. I'm sorry, that's a lie. I'm sorry, that's not true. You got to be able to do that. You got to be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to be persuaded. You know, I was talking again on the phone yesterday to the, to the uh, brother for the Nation of Islam, and uh, we were talking about getting together, having a conversation and meeting, and he says, you know, I just want to enlighten you and tell you some truth. And I said, let me say this. When we sit down, I'm going to try to witness to you, but I'm not going to receive anything you're saying. And, and he said, that's a shame. I said, well, it's just because you guys don't believe right. But if you sit down with me, I'll teach you. <laughs> just, just sit down. And, 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 and here's, here's my promise. I'll buy lunch. But just know I'm not coming to be persuaded. You know, I'm not coming to be persuaded. I'm a doorkeeper. I'm a doorkeeper. I'm not coming to, I've already checked the ID. I've done the investigation, opened up the trunk, searched the car, and I've decided I'm not letting you in. But I will help to bring you to a greater understanding of Jesus Christ. Amen? And I don't say that to be rude or disrespectful, but I say that as a reality that the greatest responsibility I have in my own spiritual maintenance is making sure I guard my thought life. That means kicking out the thorns, that means keeping out the bad thoughts, and making sure that the biblical thoughts are what I establish my life upon. Amen? So last week I gave you uh, five bad thoughts that you want to make sure you avoid. Five bad thoughts. If you didn't get these, write these down. If you did, write them down anyway. Why? Repetition, repetition is a good thing. Amen? Five bad thoughts that you want to make sure that you never think of. Number one, the worst thought that a Christian can think that will ruin your life is that there is no God. Remember we talked about that, that there is no God. Now, by saying there is no God, I'm not so much saying that you question the existence of God because I know none of you, most of you would not question the existence of God, but many of you question the involvement of God. And I want to tell you that he's always involved. Even when you don't quite see him, he is involved. He's in the midst of your situation. And can I I'll be honest with you. I, I want you to understand something. Sometimes you're getting mad at people about things that God himself is orchestrating. You're mad because you're wondering why is this person doing this, that, and the other. But what you need to be asking is, God, why did you allow this person to do this, that, and the other? It's because God is always orchestrating the affairs of your life. 
But we're going to come back to that. Bad thought number two, the thought that God is not good. Believers, you cannot allow yourself to think for a moment that God isn't good, that God somehow has treated you unfairly. God is good how often? All the time. And again, we're going to come back to that one. But when you're tested and when you're tried, know that God does not test any man with evil. When you're going through, you need to know that God is good. Even in the hospital, in the valley, in the difficulty, God is good. Amen? Amen. Never question the goodness of God. The, the third thought that will ruin your life, you cannot allow yourself to begin to think at all, is the thought, I deserve better or I deserve more. I was talking to a group of believers on Wednesday, and one person asked me, well, doesn't the Bible say my cup runneth over or should run over? And I said, sure, the Bible says that, you know. And he says, well, how can my cup be running over if I don't have a car that I want or the things that I need? And I said to him, here's the reality is that the opinion of your cup running over has already been established by God, and it's a matter of perspective, and you need to change your perspective and learn how to be content like Paul said, and you got to learn how to be able to have a good profession that says that I've learned to be a base and I've learned to be a bow, and in all things I can confess that my cup runneth over, amen? How many aren't waiting for your cup to run over? How many can declare your cup running over right Right now. Somebody say, my cup runneth over. I am blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed right now in Jesus' name. I'm not on my way to a blessing. I am blessed right now. Amen? You got to get that established in your mind. Now, now, here's the reality. God is a father, isn't he? How many parents do I have in here? Can you imagine having two children and you got one of them that complains about everything you've ever gotten them, that it's not good enough, that somehow you shortchanged them, and then you got another child that's smiling at you and you give them a crust of bread and they say, thank you. You're such a good dad. You're such a good mom. When it comes time to buying somebody something, who do you think you're going to want to buy something for? Who do you think you're going to get the most excitement and blessing? It's going to be the child that has the attitude of gratitude, Right? Well, let me ask you this. Who do you think God is going to bless? Now, here he is. He's going throughout the sanctuary looking on who to bless. And here you are sitting like a kid that just got served liver and onions with your arms folded. And here's a sister next to you praising God like she just came from Disney World, saying, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Who do you think God is going to want to bless first, you or the sister next to you? Oh, you don't got to tell the truth if you don't want to, but. Well, we know the truth, amen? How many know that God blesses those who have a thankful attitude? The Bible tells us of Jesus when he had to feed the multitude, two fish, five loaves of bread. What did he do? Did he complain and say, Father, why didn't you give me more? Father, how do you expect me to make it off of two fish and five loaves of bread? Father, how can I make it off of minimum wage? Father, I don't deserve to live this way. Father, I deserve better. Father, I've been going to church. Father, I've been paying my time. Do you see Jesus complaining at all? No. But the Bible says he lifted up those two fish and those five loaves of bread. And he said, what? Thank you. Thank you, God, for my two fish. When was the last time you lifted up your paycheck and said, thank you, God, for my paycheck? When was the last time you lifted up the name of your children to the Lord and said, thank you, God, for my children? Thank you for my husband. When was the last time you were driving down the road and thank God for all that he's doing in your life? When was the last time you thank God for that job that you complain about? That's why the Bible says don't do anything with murmuring and complaining. Now, again, I don't want you to say amen and don't apply it. Amen. The greatest compliment you can pray to Peter is not to clap, not to applaud, but it's to apply. Amen. Amen. Now, tomorrow morning is going to be a great opportunity to apply this word. 
You're going to wake up in the morning, and the weather will be bad. So thank him for the bad weather first off, and then after you get that over with, thank him for the job. Thank him for the family. Thank him for your health. Thank him for your paycheck. Thank him for your clothes while you're ironing them, even if you wore them last week. Thank God for all things. Praise the name of Jesus, for God is good. The message you've been listening to is called Commitment to Biblical Thinking Part 3 from the powerful series, The Biblical Christian. We hope you'll tune in tomorrow for the conclusion of the message. And we also hope to see you at 6 p.m. on the campus of Evangel Ministries for our farewell listener appreciation reception. God bless you. listening to the Equip for Life broadcast, which is sponsored by Evangel Ministries and faithful ministry partners like you. If you would like to learn more about our partnership opportunities or get a copy of any of these powerful messages, please go to our website at www.equipforlife.tv. We also invite you to visit us at Evangel for one of our dynamic Sunday worship services at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. You may contact our church office at 313-836-7732 for more details.